This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge, and you're listening to the Chelsea Fancast. And uh, Mark's buzzing. He's enjoying the show so much tonight. Um, and uh, we've actually just been having a really good chat with uh, with the people in Mixler while we're on a little break. Um, but, you know, I've got Mark Worrell in the house with us tonight. Hello, Mark. Buonasera. We've got uh, the a superlative Jonathan Kidd, who I had the pleasure of seeing... Uh, on Saturday night, more of which uh, in part four, but I also saw Jonathan in the cock. He made a rare appearance to have a bit of cock last night, didn't you, Jonathan? <laughs> I, I, uh, I, 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 a dashing appearance, in and out. In and yeah, out. it was good to see you. And, and Rick, we, you, and, you, me and Rick had a lovely chat, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, and, and he commented on my hat. He said he thought it he was did. A, bit, uh, a bit crumpled. And, uh, and, uh, I, I'm bored of Rick being very rude about everybody's hats. He was rude about my flat cap again, and I said, piss off, you've got a stupid woolly excuse for a flat cap on. And he got all upset, so it's my Hoxton hat. So there we go. <laughs> uh, now, last but, but by no means least, we've also got the fantastic, uh, great friend of mine, Mr. Tim Rolls. Now, Tim Tim needs no excuse to be on the Chelsea fan cast. He's also proved uh, unequivocally tonight that he can master the technology, so there are no issues on that front. Um <laughs> But he needs no, no, you know, he doesn't have to have an excuse to come on the show. Tim is welcome whenever he wants to, because I love him that much. But there is a specific reason why we've got Tim on the show tonight. And it's one that I, for one, am incredibly excited about. Because uh, Tim, um, well, he's launching a crowdfunding campaign uh, this Thursday. But Tim has got a, a book in the uh, in the pipeline. And, uh, of course, also very serendipitous that we've got Marco on the show tonight as well. Because, of course, Marco's... Gate 17 Publishing Company is publishing it. But the book is called uh, uh, Diamonds... uh, It's very difficult to say, but it's Diamonds, Dynamos and Devils, The Transformation of Chelsea FC under Tommy Doherty. So it's basically um, all about uh, the wonderful early 60s, mid-60s side Doherty's Diamonds, uh, a team that, because I was born in 1965, I never saw. Um, But uh, first of all, Tim, um, what was the idea behind it? I, I, I have a suspicion there may have been some personal reasons behind this one. Well, partly. I, I, 
when I retired, I decided that I'd actually, I'd, I started doing, I'd never written anything before, anything for sort of uh, websites or fan casts or anything. I actually started to actually quite enjoy it. And then I thought, well, the next thing to do would be write a book. And I actually spoke to Mark and I spoke to Rick Glanville and I wanted to do a Chelsea one, but a, a book that no one else had written about an era that I, I vaguely remembered. And, and this, no one has written a, a book specifically on those six seasons from 1961 to 1967. My first Chelsea game was three weeks before Doherty left Chelsea. I, my first game was against Stoke in September 67. And Doherty left three weeks later. So they were, yeah, there, there's personal reasons. But it, it, it's a fascinating subject. Sorry? I think that was Marco. What's going on, yeah. Marco? The door opened and closed. Misty's, Misty's, uh, <laughs> Misty's, Misty's going to be putting an appearance in, in a minute. Uh, you've just been well, upstaged by Misty, Tim, but sorry, mate, yeah, carry on. That, that's fine and well. Um, no, I, I, it just seemed an interesting period because it, Chelsea transformed. When Doherty took over, the clubs, the players trained by running around the running the dog track at Stamford Bridge and having a kick around in the car park. Training ended at 12 o'clock because there was greyhound training taking place at lunchtime. The, the, the manager, Ted Drake, didn't have a coach and, the man, and he didn't want to waste his time spending time with the players when he could sit in his office. So Chelsea, having won the league under Drake five years early, were basically a shambles. And in six years, Doherty... Changed the club completely. He, he he got rid of all the old guard. He brought in the youngsters that had won the Youth Cup in 1960 and 1961. He brought in proper training, got the training ground organised at Mitcham. He brought in, he bought Eddie McCready for £5,000. He bought George Graham for £5,000. And they both, Graham only stayed at Chelsea two years, but they were both fantastic players. And... When he left, and we'll talk maybe in a bit about why he left, but the club had changed completely. Chelsea were competing for honours. They reached a European semi-final. They had international players. And six years early, no one could have seen any of that happening because the club was basically in, you know, in, in stasis. It was just, it, it completely stagnated. They got 90,000 pounds or whatever it was for, for selling Jimmy Greaves. He, he, unfortunately, Doherty wasn't able to, to buy him back. And the club weren't going to use that money. And I think the, the key point is that he brought in Peter Panetti, Ken Shellato, Barry Bridges, uh, Terry Venables, Burt Murray, and he played them. And he played them week in, week out. And they became known as, as, as Doherty's Diamonds. He, he augmented it, as I say, with the likes of George Graham, Eddie McCready, kept a couple of experienced players in, in particularly in, in John Mortimer, brought Ron Harris through, made him captain very young. And Chelsea fans in their 60s now, there's so much affection for, for Doherty and for those players from people just a bit older than me, because as I say, I only saw one, one game under his reign, but people who were sort of five, six, seven, eight years older than me. I, I, I interviewed some for the book and, and got quotes from them. And the passion they have is, 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 is unbelievable. So... It was, you know, I started writing and I just got more and more wrapped up in it, you know, which is which is good because you don't want to be writing a book you're not interested in. So, uh, <laughs> True enough. It is the first book I've ever written. It's taken me, as Mark will tell you, I was wildly optimistic in how long it would take. And he said, take as long as it takes, Tim. You've got to get it right. 
It's actually taken me four years from the initial idea wow. to where we are now. Now, some of that's personal reasons about one or two things going on outside. But how people write books and hold down full job, full-time jobs and have families, I just do not know. Because, okay, I've had to do a lot of, a lot of research, but it's, it, everything takes longer than you think. The research, the writing, the, the, the production process and, and the marketing but, you know, I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. And I'm now waiting with some nervousness for, for the next stage. And, of course, you, you and Marco have worked, obviously, quite closely together on this. I mean, yep. you know, Mark, this is a, a path that you've trodden many, many times before, either writing yeah. them yourself or, or, or supporting people like Tim to do them. And I know that there's, there's another book coming out in a few weeks' time, which I'll mention at the end of the show. But, um, you know, uh, I would imagine it's been quite fun working with Tim on this. Yeah, I mean, it, it, Tim, Tim's enthusiasm for this project has has, um, has been has been quite mesmerising, really, because um, I, I think maybe sort of I wasn't aware of the fact that you hadn't kind of really done much in the way of writing. So I, th I think maybe that that that's why you you've sort of approached it with um, such enthusiasm. But I remember when when he first spoke to me about it. Um, and the only reason I know this is we've actually got a plaque up in Sheen Sports Club to commemorate the event when, when Tommy Doherty came to the club and um, did an evening with us. And it was 2011. Um, and I'm pretty certain I actually recorded all of that and gave it to you, Tim. Is that right? You did. You did. And that, that was one of the seeds of the idea of the book. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I... Seeing Tommy Doherty, I've been to loads of these um, evenings where, you know, you get ex-players um, speaking about, about their, their life and careers. And Doherty, um, who's obviously at Chelsea long, long before I, I knew, knew what was going on, um, he's, he's the only person that I've ever been to one of these things where you couldn't hear anybody there was no there was no whispering and i guess you know part of the reason was you know he's quite softly spoken these days ah here comes misty um yeah so obviously when when tim said he wanted to do this book i said look great idea because it's it's one of those eras when um you know the, 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 there isn't much information out there so you've really got to go and collate all the infos, look, go to the libraries and look or do all the forensic stuff in the newspapers, which Tim's done. Um, and he submitted his manuscript to me. I've, I've seen it. I've seen it once before, but this was his kind of like, look, this is as far as I can take it. Stab, which he sent over to me um, last week. And I've gone through it with him and, and it's great. I mean, you know, for, for people, for people who love, detail they're gonna love this book i've even had to speak to him about a couple of his tables that he's compiled which have which have gone too far <laughs> right i should point out that at school my best subject was statistics and i just sat there one night and thought well what tables could i do from the data i've got which is not the way to approach it the way you should approach it is what tables would people be interested in <laughs> that's, not quite, that's not quite the same thing. So, uh, no, Mark's obviously <clears> been extremely helpful in sort of dampening down one or two of my sort of excesses in terms of content. 
But I think that the, the, the point is as well, I mean, I was lucky enough, I met Doherty uh, three weeks ago. I, we, when we played at Man United, Nick Tilt, who runs uh, the Duke of Edinburgh pub in, in Ascot, set me up to, to phone up Doc. He was happy to talk to me, talked to me for three hours, went through loads of the issues, still coherent at the age of 89, and still still as interesting as ever, exactly what Mark, Mark said. You know, you, you, you hang on to his every word. Still loves Chelsea. Still, leaving Chelsea broke his heart. It's the favourite club of all the clubs he's been at. And it's the club where he's still in, t- he's still in regular touch with Ron Harris. He still keeps in touch with Christine Matthews, who is on, is, is on Twitter and on Facebook. And she used to be secretary of the club. So he knows what's going on with the, with the older players. And he was so generous with his time. And he was, you know, he was fascinated about the book. I was, I'm lucky that my wife is, is a skilled artist. And she's done the cover. He loved the cover. So, yeah, I mean, I've got more. As time's gone on, I've realised I probably was wildly over-enthusiastic in terms of timing. But in terms of content, as, um, as Mark said, there was no substitute. I had to go to the British Library and wade through six years of newspapers. Took me, I thought it would take me six months. Took me eight foot. You know, if you're going to do it, you might as well do it properly. Jonathan, I I, I really want to yeah. bring you on, on in here because um, without being rude, I mean, you're a little bit older than all of us, I think. Uh, so I would imagine that you actually, I mean, Tim saw one uh, Tommy Doc game. You would have seen a few more of those, I would have thought. I mean, what are your memories of that time? Uh, Barry Bridges, I loved. Uh, slightly um, one leg, uh, slightly bandy. Um was always being put through and always go around the goalkeeper and score. That's quite a great memory of him. Then he'd rush back and he had a particular way of celebrating, which was he'd punch the air. And I, I duplicated that whenever I scored because uh, I, I loved him. And he played for England. I was so pleased when he played for England. I'm bloody hell, I was 10. And I, I, I watched as many games as I possibly could. And uh, uh, I loved them all. I loved Bobby Tambling. I loved... Uh, Bert Murray. Bert Murray played a huge number of games at that yep. period. Um, uh, I, I loved, uh, George Graham, Stroller, as he was called, was uh, was also a great. He was a great player to watch. I don't know when you. It's difficult. You don't. You haven't got any idea of tactics when you when you're eight, nine, ten, eleven. You're just watching them and uh, and and I loved it. Of course, he introduced Tommy Dot. Introduced the uh, the blue, blue, and white gear because before that it was. Uh, it was blue, white with uh, with white socks and, um, uh, and 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 two little two little blue bands at the top, and that was so trendy at the time with the numbers. And I I managed to get a kit actually. My dad got me a kit, and my dad also got me a 1966 um, FA Cup semi final kit, which for some godforsaken reason this was against Sheffield Wednesday, which we lost two nil, which I went to was um, an Inter Milan kit. Yeah. Why they played in blue blue and black stripes is beyond me but I bought that kit and then was forced to wear that even though it just gave me memories of them losing and Jim McCallyog um, who played for us um, scored for Sheffield Wednesday against us which similarly broke my heart because he'd been one of my favourite players um, but who was the other one because um, set, um, players were started off uh, under under Doherty who were um, ultimately became you know members of the great 1970s side uh, in 69, 70 side. So you got Charlie Cook in his infancy. He bought him. He had very keen on buying Scottish players, obviously because of his 
his, his Scots connection. So you got Cook, you got uh, there was a winger called Tommy Knox I liked who played. There was, yeah, off and on, yeah, off and on. And of course, as you said, McCready, um, uh, the wonderful Frank Upton, who, uh, as I've said before on the show, um, when they beat uh, when they beat Portsmouth seven nil um, to uh, to come second in the uh, uh, in the second division for the last promotion game, actually scored a goal from the halfway line. But it was, you know, old offside law. And I think Tambling was coming back and was, you know, was, was, couldn't possibly get, get near, get past him to be onside. So it was given offside. But that similarly was one of my, my great memories. And of course, there was the other Harris brother, Ronnie Harris, had his brother, Alan Harris, um, who, if I remember, Tim, wasn't he transferred and then he came back again? He, he, he went to, to Coventry That's and then right. he came, in late 64 and came back in... About the same time as Charlie Cook in April '66, went 66, straight into that's the right. side. They, when, when who died? Sorry, when who? Died? No, sorry, he went straight into the side oh, right, against, right. against Barcelona in the um, Fairs Cup semi-final, and he played the following season, played in the cup final, and then Doherty sold him. So he was one of Chelsea had a, 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 a were really unlucky because McCready was a fantastic overlapping fullback when no one else was doing it, that's and on right. the other side was Ken Shelato who was also equally good at going forward, but he, he, he damaged his knee um, in 1963. And Chelsea brought in uh, Joe Kirkup, uh, yes. Adam Harris, um, Jim Thompson, and none of them were quite good enough. And I think if Shevato had stayed fit, it's, it's accepted that he would have played in the 66 World Cup instead of George Cohen. And I think, to be honest, if he'd, if he'd stayed fit, Chelsea would probably have been an even better team than they were already. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Chidge. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel... If you couldn't be there, and it's not on TV. Oh, Chich, I'd be bereft. Inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boy's life. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep, NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow. Great. Uh, but yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK. And best of all... No more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy. I could cry. <laughs> Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Yes. Yes, and well, also the other the other thing just to remember was the, they they also had the little the Fairs Cup run when they got to the semi final, 
and uh, had to play an extra game, didn't they, against Barcelona? Yep. Which, which annoying, which was shown, they put some bizarre kind of sheet, um, sheets up at the bridge to show it on. It was a kind of, there's this like screens, but they were sort of just, just basically, um, you know, bits of wood with sheets attached, as far as I could work out. And we unfortunately lost 5 0. And, uh, and, and I, I was there, of course, watching it with my little rattle. And uh, um, it but, was such a shame because they'd had such a wonderful season playing in Europe. They were but a they fabulous, played... fabulous side. Yeah, the problem was that season as well. Terry Venables fell out with um, Doherty and was sold. Barry Bridges yeah. fell out with Doherty. He was sold. Murray went in the summer. I mean, what happened in the latter part of Doherty's reign was he did fall out with a, with a number of players. He fell out with George Graham. Uh, Venables particularly, he, he's not got a bad word to say for almost anybody, Doherty, but he's got plenty of bad words to say for Terry Venables. And they're, they're all in the book. So I'll, I'll save those for the book, but uh, there's, plenty, there's plenty there. Um, and Tim, you know, that, that was, sorry, go on. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, talking of which, I mean, one of, one of the things, because you've got this fantastic uh, blog site that you set up. Uh, kind of following the progress of the book and one of, one of the things that caught my eye in terms of the narrative of the book is that you know clearly you go into the players and some of the famous victories and, and numbing defeats as you call it Indeed. but you also you also talk about um you know Stamford Bridge and and what the crowds and the atmosphere was like and the west the new west end as it was then and, and the shed of course and of course that's really when the it was that era when the shed really came into its own wasn't it it, it was now the book isn't really about the supporters, but it does talk about the ground, about we played a cup tie against Spurs before the West Stand was built. There were 70,000 in the ground, 159 people treated by St John's Ambulance, three crash barriers went. There could have been, you know, serious problems. Um, that's why they built the West Stands to, to sort of maintain the capacity. But the shed, I think it, it was... It was September 66 when the uh, Clifford Webb's letter in the programme named the shed. And I think the season before, people had started um, had started seeing. But the book's not primarily about that. But certainly in those six years, you went from grounds where there was no singing and very few people went to away games to a situation where there was proper atmosphere coming in the grounds and, and far more people went away. Mm. I mean, one one of the other things that you you mentioned, which uh, I, I hope you might just shed a little bit of light on on now, actually. And uh, by the way, that you've got a, a couple of uh, uh, friends uh, or brothers in arms, I think, in in Mixler. Planet Earth is blue was clearly around uh, in, in that era. I mean, he just said that I was at the Spurs game and it was it was frightening. And he's also yep. hated Barca ever since. But, you know, you allude to the rows and the fallouts, but you talk about Blackpool, Roma, Bermuda and many more. Um, just to enlighten some of the younger listeners right. on the Blackpool, the Roma and the Bermuda issues, right. if you can. Ro Roma, we played them in the Fairs Cup in um, late 1965. This is the precursor of the UEFA, UEFA Cup, which is the precursor of the, the Europa League. We beat them 4-1 at home. Eddie McCready was sent off. We went out there, the, the Italian press hyped up that we kicked them in the first game. The Chelsea team were pelted with missiles on the pitch. John Boyle was hit by a stone. Benetti was hit by a stone. Uh, and then on the, co the coach was attacked on the way back to the hotel. Um, and Roma were banned from Europe, I think, for three years. Venable, sorry, Doherty said it was the most scary thing he'd ever experienced in his life. But Chelsea won and went, and went through. But it's, you know, when I was young, I read a book called I Was There, which was a, 
famous journalists talking about particular football matches. And Brian Butler, who used to write for The Telegraph and was a BBC radio journalist, talked about that game and said it was the most... And this is a man who, I think, fought in the war and, and, and said that the what happened at that game, with because they were attacking the press, they were attacking the Chelsea coaches, they moved the Chelsea bench so they had to be to sit behind people throwing missiles at them. You know, it was it was pretty scary. But to Chelsea's great credit, they they didn't respond to any of this. The players didn't respond. I don't think there were many away supporters. To be honest, we probably only took a few to the game. And you know, the, the Minister of Sport, Dennis Follows, praised the team for their uh, you know for, for not reacting. But the other two I mentioned, Blackpool and Bermuda. Blackpool is where eight Chelsea players were sent home by Doherty for going out. Uh, he set a curfew of 11 o'clock and they didn't get back till well after midnight, a couple of days before a game um, against Burnley. Now, the, the myth is that that stopped Chelsea winning the league. It didn't stop Chelsea winning the league because they were already in a position where they were, I think, five points behind Man United or whatever. But what it did do, he sent them home, and that included Venables, Bridges, Murray, George Graham, John Hollins, uh, Joe Fascioni, and, and, a couple, John, and a couple of others who escaped. He sent them home. It was front page in all the papers. Uh, it, was, it was the main story on the, on the news. And this is in the days when football wasn't front page news. Um, Bridges and Venables particularly never forgave him for, for the way that uh, they were treated. Um, it was just before the end of the season and, you know, it sort of died down a bit over the summer, but then, then blew up the following season. But if you can imagine, it wouldn't happen these days and because, simply because the club would keep it in-house. But Doherty arranged for the press to be at Euston when the players got back on the train from, from Blackpool and they were put into a van laid on by Chelsea where the police were there and it looked like they were all being arrested. There's a photograph of Barry Bridges and Marvin Hinton looking like they're great train robbers. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's an astonishing thing. And he admits now he got it wrong. He admits he overreacted. Uh, and a lot of the players never forgave him. And half of them had gone within, within, within 18 months. Bermuda, Chelsea went on tour summer 67 without going into... This is the one area he wouldn't really talk about. But there were two rounds with referees. He got into... A uh, couple of Chelsea players, Barry Lloyd and, and uh, Tony Hayden, got sent off in different games. He had rounds with the referee, made some very uncomplimentary comments to them. When they, that was in sort of June 67. Come late September 67, the players, everyone was back. The season had started. Chelsea weren't doing well. And the FA decided to do an investigation. Banned Doherty for 28 days for, for abusing the officials. And... He, he was called in by the club and basically he was sacked. I mean, he, he was described as by mutual consent, but clearly he was sacked and, and, and paid off. And I think that was the last straw. They were in, the book details a whole load of ways. It's rows about ticket allocations, rows with players, rows with the chairman, because the, the chairman for most of his reign was Joe Mears, um, Brian Mears' father and the, the you know, descendant of Gus Mears, who, who founded the club. Uh, tragically, he died summer of 1966, and a bloke called Bill Pratt took over. And the fact that the shed was singing, our chairman is a Pratt, gives you some idea <laughs> <laughs> in, in what respect. He, and, and he had public rows with Doherty in the press, 
which again just wouldn't happen now. And wow. it was inevitable that Doherty was going to go, and in the end, you know, he went. But it's just a shame it ended like that. I think a lot of the players, you know, were, were sorry that, that that he'd gone. I think a lot of the um, the supporters clearly were sorry that he'd gone because the game afterwards, after he'd been sacked, the day after he went, Chelsea lost seven nil at Leeds, and the Chelsea the carriage on the train with the Chelsea ball was attacked by supporters. And Pratt was reduced to leaning out of the window at Wakefield Station asking for help from a passing force. <laughs> <laughs> so, that yeah. is that yeah. is fantastic. Tim, look, final question on the content before we actually get into the kind of how people can get hold of this fantastic yeah. piece of work. Um, you know, my, my kind of take on, on, on the Doherty's Diamonds and that era really was it was the it really was the kind of the beginning of, of, of modern Chelsea, if you like. Yeah. And um, you know, it, it, you know, we were we were we were getting close to winning the league. We we won the league cup. We got to the cup final. You know, there was a sense that things were happening under Doherty, and we had some great players. If if he had not have been got rid of, how far do you think he would have been able to take them? Well, that's that's an interesting question because they replaced him with Dave Sexton, who was completely different, who had been his assistant, you know, for a few years in from sort of sixty three to sixty five. I'm not sure how much further he could have taken them. I think he was unlucky when Ozzy broke his leg because he was rebuilding mm. the team around Osgood and Cook. He got rid of Bridges and Venables and Graham and Murray. And he was rebuilding the team. I, to be honest, he, he made mistakes buying, buying a couple of defenders and Sexton sorted that out. He brought in John Dempsey and Dave Webb. So maybe it was the time, maybe the time was right. I, I, I don't know. It's impossible to say. But if, I do I do think if Osgood hadn't broken his leg in October 66, Chelsea might, they were top of the league at the time, might quite possibly won the league that season and everything would have been very, very different. But who knows? Yeah. Well, exactly. Yeah. You know, we, we would have gone on to win the European Cup and not Man United, of course. <laughs> well, indeed. Well, you know, that's a lovely note to end that uh, bit of the narrative, I think. Um, so, look, you know... Uh, the book, the book's done, obviously. Um, yep. But you're basically you're you're launching a, a crowdfunding campaign on Thursday, eleventh. What, what, why is that happening? Right. We, I mean, you can do, and we are doing a paperback version and an e-book version. But I wanted to do photographs, and photographs are, are expensive. And Mark and I talked about this. We bounced this around for months. The only way to to see if there's enough interest there in a hardback book with photographs is, is to do crowdfunding um, where you, you know, if you get sufficient pledges, in this case, it's the books are £25, including, uh, including UK postage. If you get 200 pledges, then we will produce the hardback book. If we get more than 200, then that's great. But we need a minimum of 200 because I wanted to do, you know, it was a personal choice. I just wanted to do it with, with photographs and that, that because licensing photographs, doing it properly, ratchets the price up. Producing hardbacks, you know, again, it ratchets the price up. But it's something, it's something I wanted to do. Now, if we don't get 200 orders, we're still going ahead with the paperback and the e-book anyway, and that will be coming out in the, in the autumn. But what we want to do, just to correct you, these won't be available in the shop. The, the hardbacks will in, in shops, they'll be... It's a matter of ordering it online through through uh, this Kickstarter page, which will go live on Thursday. 
and information on that the link for that will be put up on the blog which is i mean can you can you tweet this from the the, the fancast thing the, the the blog email address sorry but I, well yeah I, i'll read it out in a minute i've got i've got yeah. the uh the URL for the the blog yeah, thing, and I've also yeah, got your blog, Twitter address. It's, it's, the Twitter address is the easy one. That's docs at, at docs diamonds, and I think on there will be how you have link to the blog, which tells you about the book, and to the Kickstarter page, which is how you can you can make a pledge. Um, the as I say, the the paperback and the the um, the ebook will worry about. Uh, you know, in the autumn, but be, we, we're doing this now, and it, it, we've got 40 days. The idea being that you open it on Thursday, it closes on the 20th of June. If we get sufficient interest, then we'll go ahead with it. And the idea is to produce that book in the in the autumn. I, I'm nervous about, and Mark's nervous as well about naming specific dates because <laughs> you just never know with these things. But that's Especially given current experience with with the Eddie McCready book, <laughs> yes, indeed. But the, the the pledge is the, the the commitment is that people would get it before um, before Christmas. We are on the page. It, it tells you how much the prices are for the European Union, which is thirty pounds including postage, and the US and the rest of the world is thirty five pounds. It's all there. Uh, it will be on Twitter. I'm, I will be. Be fair to say there'll be a promotional campaign that anyone who uses Twitter or Facebook follow, who follows me, who follows hopefully the, the, the fan cast and whatever people, I'll be encouraging people to retweet. I'll be emailing people I haven't seen in 20 years, so that you know I'll be I'll be doing as much as I can to to push it. And, and if we don't get the interest, yeah, I'll be disappointed, but you know at, at least we've had a go. I, you know, I have some faith that we will we will get those orders, but we'll, you know we'll, the proof of the pudding will be in the eating. But it goes live on Thursday, and I would you know if people want to know more about it, look at the if you go onto the Twitter or follow the Twitter account, that's got links to the blog, the Kickstarter address. I don't get until Thursday morning um, when it goes live, and that will be all over social media, and it will be on the blog and it will be on Twitter, so you'll be able to find it. So right, just to just to recap on all of that, um, you're looking to well, basically you need to sell pre-sell two hundred or of these books in 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 the deluxe hardback version. Why why is it deluxe, yeah. by the way? Because it's hardback. That's I mean deluxe. Is, uh, <laughs> <laughs> deluxe is tongue in there we go. Lovely, it, lovely it, stuff. It, it's a hardback book, and you know, and, the, and therefore deluxe, and therefore deluxe. Absolutely. No, no question by, required. By, by, by definition, people have said to me, twenty-five quid's a lot, but that—that that is the economics of producing <laughs> a, a low-run hardback book. So that's you know, fantastic. That's, that's so anyway, yeah. you know, bottom line is you you need to sell two hundred of these at twenty-five quid a pop. Yeah, uh, and that yeah. that will enable you to produce the the hardback version. Which we hope will come out sometime before Christmas. Yeah. The best way to get the information, just to recap on that for Tim, is follow Tim's uh, book account on Twitter, which is at Docs Diamonds, D O C S Diamonds. And his blog it can be found at Diamonds, Dynamos, and Devils.wordpress.com. So, uh, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm in for a copy of that and then some, and I'm sure many, many people will. JK, I, you'll be lapping that up, I suspect. Oh, yes. 
Blimey, healthy straight in there. Good, good stuff. Yeah, looking forward good to stuff. it. Marvelous. Well done, and, and, well done, Tim. Brilliant. And uh, final, you. final, po- final point. Yeah, thank you, Tim. That's absolutely fantastic. I mean, the, the comments I've been uh, watching on Mixler uh, about you talking about this book have been absolutely superb if only you could see them in fact actually why don't i just read a few out that might be i mean planet earth is blue is clearly hooked he says well i'm having two hardbacks uh and he says that your next book should be sexton sizzlers um (laughs) so there we go bob usray bob usray says this is great stuff uh Tim tells a good yarn, says Ali Fragley. Bonnie Rig Blue says you could listen to Tim all night on here. Great stuff. Do you know what, Bonnie Rig? I, I, and I'm sure Marco and Jonathan would agree we could listen to him all night, but sadly we can't. We really need to go to the next part of the show. But I, I, I basically, I loved him to pieces. I know it'll be a cracking book. I'd like to say thank you, as always, to Marco for enabling uh, people like Tim to get these books so out I. to the Absolutely. masses. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean it wouldn't have happened. It would, it would not have happened without Mark. So, yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah, I, well, Mark is a hugely unsung hero in this domain, and I think you know he's been so instrumental in getting such great, great, great books out there, uh, and he really, we, he deserves a huge amount of gratitude and thanks from all of us. Ain't that right, chaps? Yes, absolutely. Good. All right. Well, you know what to do, people. You need to go into that crowdfunding site as of Thursday and go and get yourselves a book because I think it's going to be a cracker. <laughs> It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com.